0: You know what they say about guys with large hands. They can fit the whole mouse in their hand. That's totally what they say. Anyway, uh, let the hate mail flow. That'd be fine.
1: <laughs> Band, you're out of here. You're done. I'll give him a bit of leeway. We're only two minutes past three. All right, so... but I'm ready with <laughs> it. Yeah. A little bit of Leo way? <laughs> Leo way, Yeah. <laughs>
0: Linux Mint community for all users of Linux. This is episode 353. Livestream information is at mintcast.org slash livestream. Might actually be right today, too. We're in the Mintcast channel and IRC at irc.spotchat.org. If you see something that you'd like to hear about, tell us. Send us email at mintcast at Join us live on YouTube. Post at the Mintcast subreddit. Chat with us on Telegram, Discord, Facebook, or post directly at mintcast.org. This is Leo, and with me today is Joe. Hello. Bo. Hey. Tony Hughes. Hi, guys. Moss. Yes, I am. And Josh Hawk. Hey, guys. We're recording on Sunday, January 24th, 2021. In our intersection, we say how we've got on with Linux Mint 20.1 over the past two weeks. And finally, the feedback and a couple of suggestions. down to the Linux innards all right so we've had time the last show we talked about Linux Mint 20.1 but we all had a maximum of like 24 hours to play with it so we basically just said, yeah the upgrade worked and that was it right <laughs> I mean things <laughs> didn't burst into flames so we're good but now that we've had a couple of weeks to actually live on Linux mint20.1 and really put it through its paces, do our normal shenanigans, now we can actually talk about it in a yeah, a little more informed Way. So, Moz, um, how did you get on?
2: Well, I wasn't here for the last episode, as you know, so uh, I did the upgrades on the Mini and on IKUDU and they upgraded without a r- actual hitch, although one of them said something didn't work, and I didn't understand what didn't work about it, but when I rebooted, everything was fine. I did a con- clean install on the Dell laptop that Josh got me, I watched a bit of Hypnotics, with most of the issues seem to be just what happens on streaming TV. I've had a lockup or two, but that happens with any IPTV streamer. I tried once to set up a web app, but didn't quite understand what they were doing, and I didn't have enough spoons to read up on it at the time. So that's a future project still.
0: The the web apps thing, boss, I, th- I think when you figure that out, I mean, and, and I'm happy to show you, when you figure that out, if you have... Like, Because uh, I've got Plex and NextCloud. Those are the two that I use web app-wise. I mean, it, it's just so fantastic that I can just click on the NextCloud button and in a little box pops up and it's just like NextCloud. It's like if NextCloud had a desktop app, it, it behaves like that. And it's it's just so convenient to, well, to have I think that button. my
2: wife is going to want to be using that for the bank accounts, just doing lookups yes. there instead of.
0: That, that's another. Uh, I don't know if it's intended. It probably is. I mean, Clem's a clever guy. Um, I, I think that, that might be an intended consequence of you know when you fire up Web App Manager and you say use this browser, it does not use the profile that you have generated on that browser. It creates a whole new one. So doing your bank account information or something like that within that browser gives you a slight security edge in that that profile has no idea where you've been outside of that web app, and that is fantastic stuff.
2: Well, that's about all I've done with it. I mean, it works. That's what you want Mint to do.
3: I did, uh, I actually used the web app browser to make a web app for, um, the Foundry virtual tabletop. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. I use a web hosted version of it so that, like, my other, my, you know, my friends can join my game. And so there's not a desktop app. I can't use the desktop application. Right. And so I, um, the uh the foundry there's a website called the forge that i use for my web version of the game and um i just you know turned that web url into a uh into an app and so it opens just as from my perspective it looks just like the desktop version of the game looks
0: yeah it it's it's so good um i mean actually i didn't even think about using that but uh, I mean a few friends do do vtt every now and then And I mean, you know, what I got to do, I got to open up a browser, I got to go to the website, I got to, but it didn't even dawn on me to use Web App Manager for that. And uh, thank you, (laughs) seriously, thank you, because now I will use another thing uh, for with with Web App Manager. That's fantastic.
1: I've had 20.1 on my laptop for just over two weeks, and it's working great. Uh, As Moss said, uh, I like Hypnotics. It's uh, it's a great little uh, IPTV app. Uh, I've played around with it a bit, but um, I've not got an awful lot of time for watching TV and stuff at the at Yeah, it's like you have 30 Doing minutes to much. watch
2: TV and you spend that 30 minutes look, trying to find what channel you're going to watch.
0: Yeah, it's it's like <laughs> yeah. it used to be back in the 90s, man. you just channel surfing.
1: <laughs> yeah uh but web apps I really do think that's cool i've got my i've got a couple of zoom meetings that I go to that have the same address each week so I've set them both up as different web apps and so I can just click on one and it takes me to that particular meeting, or I click on the other and it takes oh, man, me to that meeting, meeting, another meeting. Oh really yeah. man, that's smart. Yeah, this is way I more just... useful than we realized. <laughs> yep, that, Seriously, that is actually really cool. <laughs> so good. I'm gonna have to set yeah, that. Yeah, if you've got a static address for a for a Zoom meeting, it's really cool for that. So if you if you attend two or three different Zoom meetings with uh, static addresses, just set each one of them up as a, a separate web app, and you can just click the one God, that you that's so need. cool.
0: Uh, thanks, Peppermint Guy.
1: so uh, apart from that and apart from the hardware uh, acceleration in uh, celluloid uh, i think a load of the stuff uh, is under the hood Uh, i know they've done some improvements to printing and scanning but i don't use my laptop for uh, printing or scanning so i'll have to wait until i get 20.1 or above installed onto the uh, desktop pc but uh, so far, so good. I'm I'm liking it. And uh, it, as usual, it's stable. You know, it's based on Ubuntu 20, uh, 2004, so I wouldn't expect it to have destabilized. I'm sure Clem, Clem and the team did a lot of work to make sure it was still stable. So no problems there. What about you, Josh?
4: Well, basically the same thing. It's been pretty stable. I mean, I haven't had any issues unless I've caused them, which is usually why it's... There's problems, but, uh, yeah, I've been using the, uh, web app for like, yeah, like you guys have been doing pretty much everything. Like I make all my forums are all web apps. Um, Google drives a web app. Uh, there's a lot of other ones. I got a whole yeah, list. Drive, drive's another good web
0: app. I don't know why I didn't think about that. Cause I use Nextcloud that way. Yeah. Um, drive would be a pretty decent web app.
4: That's nice. You can, you can do each one of the, um, like if you use the spreadsheets and the, um, The Google, you know, all the Google stuff, you can make each one of them also a web app. I'm pretty sure. I haven't tried it, but I'm pretty sure you should be able to. That would be nice, too, because then you could just go
5: right to it. I have a question real quick. Um, Now, one thing I've noticed about the web apps is that it doesn't do tabs. So um, it only opens up that first tab. Now, if you click on something, it will go to it, but you can't switch back to drive itself if you, say, opened up. the show notes.
1: You can get it to show the whole of the uh, web web page, including all the uh, tabs. You know the your tools. Okay. So uh, it depends how you set up the web app. But if you
4: do that, you might as well just look it up in the web in the on the
5: right. 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 right.
4: Yeah. I think yeah. I think when you use Google Drive, it it doesn't put the, put it in tabs. Like let's say you open up a uh, the writer or whatever. I think it just brings you to the writer, and then you can just. Go. I think you can go back because it has all the tabs on inside the Google Drive. Now I don't know about other sites, but I'm pretty sure that one you can. You might be able to use your keyboard that shortcuts could be for
1: going back. Okay, as well.
4: Yeah, I don't. There's not much else I can say because I mean everything's basically the same as it was last time. I, I everything's stable and I've been using the web apps and the uh, hypnotics um, that. That, I'm just kind of browsing it. I haven't really watched much on it. We've, we've, we got, um, Discovery Plus, so we've been watching that a lot. So I haven't had time for, for, uh, that. And now school, I probably won't have any time unless there's a networking channel. Maybe I'll have to search for that. Oh, speaking of search, I actually did put in a feature request for Hypnotics to have a search function so you can search for a show or anything like that. I don't know if they read it or not, but I did put it in there.
2: Question, are they going to shove Hypnotics upstream so an Ubuntu uh, install could use it? Depends on if somebody puts it in a pack.
0: Yeah, well, I was going to say, um, yeah, I, th- I think Flatpak might be the right answer to that one. Because uh, I
2: watch all my TV on, on my Raspberry Pi 4, and obviously that can only run Ubuntu since Mint doesn't have a Pi version.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the the Mint team likely won't do it, but I mean the the code is open source, so if somebody wants to package it, they certainly. I'm sure can.
2: someone will do it eventually.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean that that's exactly how the uh, um what is it Warpinator Warpinator yeah that's, that's how that one became a flat pack. Mint didn't do that.
5: So Joe, how's your uh, experience with Mint Twenty Point One? It's been on my gaming laptop since last show the laptop i'm using right now um i've not noticed much of a difference between this and the previous version which is good for an incremental update it hasn't impacted my workflow in any way which is a plus really um i'm I'm still able to log into my work and do a full day's work just like before I found that I haven't really used Hypnotic's. I mean, it's a cool app, but I just haven't used it since since it was installed. Um, but that's because I, you know, I've already established my flow for watching movies and TV shows on my own schedule. And that was one thing about Hypnotic's, where you find a channel, you can get into the channel, and then it starts wherever it's at. Now you can pause from that point and let it buffer and then either skip forward a bit or back up. But if you click away and click back, it's going to start from, you know, where it's at on the live stream. So um, like everybody has said, web apps, extremely useful. And now that I can set set it up with Chrome, and I love how it creates a menu item. And it's a very simple way to get WhatsApp Web up and running with just you know two clicks. So but for me, it's been useful. I also have uh, YouTube set up with Firefox on it, so that way, um, well, Firefox and YouTube seems to use up less RAM than Chrome and YouTube does. So I like it. The only new things that I've noticed is that the menu search is now by relevance, which does make it a little bit more useful. Instead of just alphabetical order, it is by relevance. And I I had to kind of dig a little deep to find something negative. But um, the only negative that I've seen is that per monitor fractional scaling isn't working yet. And I know that's supposed to be in the works. I can see that it's supposed to be in the works from um, the displays menu. But it's not working yet. So hopefully next um, revision, it is working. Leo, what have you seen?
0: Yeah, well, that, that's pretty cool because, um, I, I don't know, I, I just, instead of buying a second monitor, I just buy monitors with higher resolutions. Because <laughs> I only want to have to plug one thing in, I guess. So a lot of those things never really affect me. Um, well, that doesn't really
5: work with a using a laptop with a second monitor. Oh,
0: true that. Uh, yeah, well, with my laptop. I do, I do do the same thing. I just close my laptop and use the one monitor. But, uh, I mean, that's not for everybody, obviously. I'm just saying that I get to sidestep those issues because <laughs> I don't run dual monitors. Um, but for me, uh, 20.1 has been nothing short of amazing. It's, it has, I haven't had a single issue with it. Uh, I did the upgrade, as I mentioned on the last episode, and that, that included using a, uh, a non-standard uh, Mesa version, so graphics driver, and and the uh, five point eight kernel that was uh, that, that Linux Mint makes available early through their kernel updater, I, I expected if something was going to go wrong, it was going to be with this configuration, uh, and now everything seemed to work just fine. So um, outside of that, uh, Cinnamon feels more responsive, and this is kind of what I was talking about in the uh, in, in the wandering section that every everything is fast. Like when I, when I scroll through you know browser stuff it just it it you can tell that it is you know graphically uh what what is it uh gpu rendered or whatever but i mean the amount of smoothness that comes out of that when you move windows around you minimize them stuff like that i i think one of the coolest things is that i have not seen a skipped frame so not not just in the browser stuff but like when i minimize a window or drag a window around or you know open up six windows at a time and they all kind of like pop into the screen all uh, Animated like usually, you'll see one of those windows where it'll kind of give a quick little stutter. But I haven't seen any of that over these past couple of weeks, and I mean, it, it has just cemented my love. And this is kind of what I was talking about. You know, I'm having second thoughts about Ubuntu, because there are little, um, you know, uh, paper cut issues that that crop up, and you know, smoothness is is one of them, not with the de, but with with browsers. And uh, you know, Cinnamon just does not have any of those types of issues, and it's it's making my choice of cinnamon and Linux Mint just it makes me feel good about that so yeah heck yeah and then um I I did put it through its paces a little bit I ran uh city skylines I think it was uh I turned it on let it run for like a huge amount of time and then I decided to start playing the game (laughs) so um that that went on for I don't know good three four hours at least in one session and I mean. Everything was was great. A little sound stuttering, but that happened in Kubuntu as well. So I think it's more of a um, maybe an Ubuntu or just a Linux at large issue. Um, and I did a uh, – uh, well, it was about like a six to seven-hour edit session – well, not not in one go uh, – for Linux user space. So stability is fantastic. Uh, I've gotten the uh, the pre-release episode out, and, uh, you know, folks uh, have have given good feedback about that. So, you know, there's no – Weird, crazy uh, little bugs that have snuck in that would make uh, that kind of workflow change at all. So yeah, just and then of course the 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 web app manager is fantastic as I mentioned before. Um, uh, hypnotic's is fantastic as as you know we've been we've been talking about it. It really does. I think we were talking to uh, to to Anthony and Telegram where we were talking about how. I think it's just one of those things where you just like having, um, you know, background, uh, background noise. You know, like my generation and maybe older kind of grew up with uh, there was always a TV on. Someone was always watching the TV and it may not have been anything uh, particularly important or anything like that. But there was always that little, you know, oh, blah, blah, in the background that um, is just comforting sometimes, I guess. And, and hypnotic, It gives me that again without having to spend one hundred and fifty dollars paying uh, my cable service to get channels that I'll never watch. Right. So with Hypnotics, I get channels that I'll never watch for free. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, um, what's the other one? The little uh, the file pusher. I said it earlier. Uh, Warpinator. Um, that, that is still, that's still going strong, and I still, I still move my, my files. Nextcloud has taken, taken over, but, um, I mean, if I know I have Warpinator up on the other machine, and I just need to push a file real quick, and I don't want to have to you know, deal with logging into Nextcloud, it, it's just so fantastic. And, and I open it up. To where I drop a file into Warpinator and it's auto accepted on the other end. Yeah, that's not great security practice, but I'm at home. I don't leave, so you know that that's okay. Um, at least for now. Maybe I'll, I'll reconvene on that after uh, uh, after I start you know going back to work and stop stop working from home and everything. All in all, 20.1 has been fantastic. Bo, do you have any thoughts? Are you going to say something like uh, I've I've been running on Arts this entire time, so I have no idea what 20.1 is about. Arch, by the way, <laughs> we knew it. We knew no, it. I'm kidding. You, you and Josh are going to be doing that for oh, the yeah. rest I of all that. eternity. Arch, by the way. <laughs> oh, do you guys run Arch?
3: <laughs> I never
5: would have guessed.
3: I don't know if I've ever said this before on the show. Um, no. Uh, the, the, to me, the biggest takeaway is the uh, is the web apps. I mean, that's that's the biggest win for me. I didn't know that it would be as useful as it is.
0: Yeah, and and the fact that we can sit here and listen to other people say how they use it and be like oh yeah I'm going to use it that way too is is just yeah. it's, it's great
3: like how and and I just I we could I'll touch on it just for a second and we can move on but the like how often is there like a need for like how often does something get added to a distribution where you're like did anybody really even need that or it's like cell phone features where it's like i think they're just making up problems now so they can solve it but this is one that it's like I had no idea that I wanted this and then once I got it I was like, "Oh yeah, I've been wanting this for a long time and just didn't know it."
0: Yeah, and I'm looking at you Samsung for his comments on just making problems to solve them. <laughs> uh you get you get two of everything. You get browser and S browser. You get pen and S pen.
4: You... Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah, that's true.
4: Speaking of the f- uh phones and all that, actually I've been using somewhat of a like the web apps for the phone for my Android phone for a while now. Where you can go into like the Brave browser and you can pin it as a app, and basically it just brings it up. I mean, it has to the website has to have support for this, but if it does, it'll bring up the website as almost like a native app for your phone. Um, Oh, that's super cool. The only one that I've seen that does it perfectly is Manjaro forums. There's comes up and it looks you wouldn't even know it wasn't an app. Nice. That's super cool. And you get notifications from the app. Like, let's say someone leaves a, a comment on one of your posts. It'll actually notify you on Android. Dude, that's cool. Well, cool.
0: Any final thoughts on one? Uh, All right. Well, I know it ain't. Uh, for, for us, it has been. I, I think for us, it's been smooth sailing. Um, but uh, certainly, no, it's not been smooth sailing for everybody. I know uh, Hoosie was having a lot of trouble with logging in and getting everything uh settled i think it was freezing or something like that and yeah so it it ain't uh it ain't just butterflies and roses for absolutely everybody but uh i mean if you have issues with 20.1 uh we're no experts but i mean we'll take a crack at it i think uh between uh between all of us we could probably figure something out or at the very least uh help you dig through the forums to find your answer so um yeah if you're having troubles with 20.1 send us an email let us know what you're uh what you're going through Or Telegram or Discord or something like that. And, uh, yeah, we'll we'll try and solve your problem. And if we do, we'll add it to some of this feedback. But speaking of the feedback, let's head that way. So this whole feedback section is just for you, John. So we have another John Wallace saga. And uh, he's got more Linus tips and tricks for us. Well, he's got the he's got the tricks and I've got the tips. So uh, John Wallace, by the way, has gotten that uh, that HP laptop. I know it was kind of a, um, uh, if I remember right, he had a laptop and then it was sent back to the service depot and service depot was like, mm, no, not worth fixing. So uh, ended up waiting for his new laptop that came on Christmas or that he got to unbox on Christmas, and I think that's this HP laptop. So um, that HP laptop is running Linux Mint 20.1, and in, in nowhere in this email did I see that Linux, 20, uh, Linux Mint 20.1 was giving him issues. So I'm going to go ahead and say another point for Linux Mint 20.1 in the previous section. Uh, thanks, John. <laughs> anyway, so he writes, uh, I'm back with an HP laptop, 128 gig SSD running Linux Mint 20.1. I've almost completed sys control tweaks with just one item left. And he lists one down and it's the kernel.modules underscore disabled and it's marked as different. So if I'm understanding Linus right, I I think what it's saying is that it is different than what it expects, uh, but not necessarily unsafe. So here's the deal. Uh, Well, before I get into that, let me finish reading. So what he says is, uh, when I have attempted to implement this effect, uh, this, the effect has been to disable Wi-Fi upon reboot. What's the best way forward? I look forward to hearing from you. The best way forward is to not disable loading of kernel modules. So what this particular thing does is this will allow unsigned modules after the kernel is loaded. So the only way around this is to load your modules before the kernel says, uh-uh, no more. So what really is happening here is if the driver or module for your particular piece of hardware is A, not in the kernel itself, or B, not specifically signed by a trusted vendor, then turning this uh, modules underscore disabled on means that nope does not get loaded and it sounds like your Wi-Fi adapter probably Broadcom which means that it's not in the kernel tree so that means that it's not gonna get loaded so you can do some crazy tweaking with this to get the module loaded before the sys control comes online and enforces this particular policy but um I mean kind of at that point you're 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 already loading unsigned unsigned modules anyway so I mean, you kind of it's run into a, a sticky situation. Yeah, it, it's not really that worth it, to be honest. So in my opinion, I would leave this alone unless you are worried that people have access to your laptop and could start loading kernel modules in, into, uh, you know, like start loading kernel modules on your system. There's hardly a middle ground here. You turn it on. It won't allow um, uh, your Wi-Fi to work. You can tweak it. To allow that module to load up before this policy is enabled, or you can leave it alone, and everything will just work as you expect it to. Now, um, a little tongue-in-cheek answer to this one is, uh, you know, if you turn on this module and you can't get on Wi-Fi, well, no one can hack you because you're not on the Internet. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, there's that. Uh, still horrible for air-gapped machines, though, you know, machines that are meant to not be on the Internet and only do one or two jobs. I really think that's what this is about. This particular, this particular policy is meant, to, uh, meant for appliances that already have uh, kernel support for all of the hardware that they have built in, right? So like the Intel uh, wired network Ethernet controller or something like that, right, where it's, it's difficult to do that kind of thing. And then when you enable this, then obviously no new kernel modules can be added. So um, I don't think this is for a roaming laptop kind of situation, though if you are paranoid, you can make it work. And to that end, I have uh, linked a hunix.org forum article for you that goes through the entire conversation of what this is, why you want it. And uh, y- there's, there's basically a guy in there that, that is learning how this is working on the fly. So what, what's cool is that it's so piecemealed out that it's actually really easy to understand if you go through the forum post and don't just try to go down straight to the answer and be like, you know, turn it on, turn it off or whatever. So uh, it's, it's totally worth the read through it'll probably take you about you know no more than ten minutes to get the whole gist of what's going on, and then uh, it will allow you to understand how to enable uh, one of those out of tree modules even by even when you have this thing turned on as well. So that's that one. Part two. Uh, another email. He says since setting up my HP laptop, I've taken it from an initial line of scoring of sixty eight. To a scoring of 84. I'm going to assume 100 is amazing, but also that nothing works. <laughs> because, you know, perfect security means you can't do anything, right? I mean, I talk about this all the time where you have this sliding scale of usability and security. Usability is on one end, security is on the other. And you have to decide where in the middle you're going to put your 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 little marker and if you go all the way to the secure side, well, you can't use the thing because it's fully locked down, right? And if you go fully to the usable side, well, anybody can just walk up and log into your stuff because you don't have a password. So, you know, there's a happy medium in there that the the answer is always somewhere in the middle, never on the fringes. And uh this is this is no different. So, uh he he has a list, Network D Dispatcher, on demand, OSSPD, Plymouth start and pull kit. They're all marked as <gasps> safe and that's a little on the um tinfoil hat crazy paranoid side so let's break these down so uh let me see i have each of these up but i think i'm backwards uh network d okay so network d dispatcher is on top so we'll talk about that one first network d dispatcher is basically the thing that comes back and tells you hey your connection's up hey your connection's down hey we don't have access to the internet hey i can't see the dns so this this is basically a service that that will tell you what's going on with your network uh n- network interfaces whether that's Wi-Fi or network or any you know loopback whatever else um, if you can do an IP space A those those are the ones that are going to be uh, impacted by this particular thing and this is not necessarily a end of the world kind of thing if you turn it off you just get less information back from your network interfaces. If you decide to disable this particular service. So this one's okay to turn off. I mean, obviously test it, but um, yeah, if, if, uh, if you want to get rid of this one, uh, what is it? System control disable network D dispatcher service. So I mean, that will turn it off um, fully, or you can just stop it for, uh, and, and test it. And if it's okay, then obviously you can disable it uh, without too much impact. So on demand, that particular service is referencing your CPU scaling. So if you want your CPU to continue saving battery life, you're on a laptop. So I assume this is going to be something that's important to you. Do not turn this one off. This is basically the, the, the CPU's ability to change speeds depending on the workload. So if you're you know uh, just sitting back and reading some text on the screen, your CPU is going to uh, scale down because it's not doing much. And once you start scrolling really fast or opening up new web pages or something like that, your CPU is going to scroll, uh, uh, scale up and speed up to meet the demand that you have. So by turning this off, if I have not turned this off, but my assumption is going to be that uh, it's just going to you know, peg it at 100% and just be ready for anything but never scale down. And that's going to be bad news for your battery. So my opinion, leave that one alone. Uh, the next is OSSPD. This is the OSS proxy daemon, and it's, um, it, Debian defines this as a Linux user land OSS sound device implementation using CUSE. Currently, it supports forwarding OSS sound streams to Pulse Audio and ALSA. So if you do not use OSS devices, you can probably turn this off. This is one of those ones where I don't think it's a huge security risk unless you think someone's installing sound devices into your system, but this is one of those ones where you just test it. Uh, I will not test this live because, you know, I'm recording a podcast. But um, I, I would say just uh, system, uh, systemctl, uh, stop osspd.service and then uh, see if it impacts anything. Go play a YouTube video or whatever you do on a day-to-day. Uh, listen to an mp3, something like that. And, you know, if everything comes out audio-wise just fine, then, yeah, system control, disable this particular service. It doesn't seem like it's integral to the system. So, yeah, turning it off shouldn't blow anything up. So long as uh, you don't turn off also and uh, pulse audio as well. another one is uh, Plymouth, and if I'm not mistaken, Plymouth is uh, startup splash screen and stuff like that. It, it has to deal with boot. Um, so I, I don't know ex- I don't know too terribly much uh, about Plymouth, but um, let me see. It's a, it's a project from Fedora, now listed uh, among the freedesktop.org official resources, uh, Flickr-free graphical boot. I mean that, that's that's as far as I understand. That's really what this is about. So if you don't care what it looks like when you boot, yeah, turn it off. Uh, but again, this is one of those ones where uh, you know stop it, uh, or I'm sorry, disable it, reboot, see how it affects you, and then if for some reason you don't boot anymore, you know something horrible happens, obviously re-enable that, reboot again, and uh, and come back. But um, this is one that I would imagine is only on the list because it, it has kernel mode settings in it that that can affect the kernel. Um, but again, you know, someone has to have, I would imagine someone need to have physical access to your box to really get into this. Uh, so uh, I don't think it would cause any issues if you turned this off, but again, uh, testing required on that one. Pulkit, leave this one alone. <laughs> Pulkit is important for graphical user interfaces. Um, so... Uh, Kit is uh, also known as policykit is a uh, component for controlling system-wide privileges. Leave this one alone. Uh, this is going to be how Ubuntu handles your permissions via your your particular user account. So yeah, don't don't mess with this one. This is this has been a tried and true one. Um, if um, yeah, no, I, I really can't think of a good reason to turn this particular thing off. I think a lot of your software is going to rely on this. And unless you are um, really kind of wanting to dig into the whole thing of well, if Paul Kit's not going to be taking care of all of the permissions, then well, I'm going to have to take care of that. And if you're not willing to put in the work to do system wide permissions for just about everything, then uh, yeah, just yeah, this is a don't touch it kind of thing. Um, if you want, take a uh, take a system image and I mean, you know, turn it off and see what happens when you try to elevate. Uh, any anytime anything, so policy policy kit will swoop in anytime you're like sudo, blah 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 blah, right? pulkits gets involved. If you run an application as admin, as sudo, or something like that, or as a super user, uh, it's gonna come come up and be like, hey, give me your password so I can do this. If you do system control commands without providing uh, without providing sudo at the front. Um, then it, that's, that's policy kit too so yeah policy kit leave it alone you can see just how broken your system will be by turning it off but uh, yeah <laughs> don't turn it off so anyway so the end of that is uh, I would appreciate your advice well advice given and uh, I hope it was good advice so let me know let me know what you think about those and uh, yeah I hope to hear from you again that's it for the feedback so we'll head down to check this out that short, right? I hope I kept that short. So, um, check this out. Uh, Oh, I I totally forgot to write it down. If you want to check whether or not uh, GPU rendering is on, uh, let's say you use Chrome. I'm going to, I'm seriously going to just type it right now. Uh, You can do Brave uh, and Vivaldi just kind of as an example of of how to deal with this. You can type in this to whatever browser you're running. Chrome colon slash slash GPU Brave colon slash slash GPU, whatever uh, to find out whether or not you're using um, GPU rendering or hardware rendering on your particular browser. And uh, some st- most stuff will be on, some things will be off, but just generally if you want to figure out whether or not you're using it, you can do that. Um, and this is how I found out that, uh, you know, scrolling in Kubuntu was a little stuttery and, you know, it, it shouldn't have been because hardware acceleration was on. So weird, but hey, that's how I found out. So anyway, uh, Tony Hughes, what do you got?
1: So, if you're interested in the Librem 5 phone, which we've talked about a couple of times on the uh, show, uh, I found a uh, YouTube video which I'll put a link in the show show notes to. Uh, it just uh, it's a it just a general review, but uh, I thought it might be of interest to uh, listeners. In the bit about the pie, uh, the new Raspberry Pi Pico, I mentioned Hackspace magazine. And I've put a link uh, in the check this out section to issue 39, which gives the uh, you know a really good review of it. And like I say, on the uh, second to back page, it's got the full uh, um, schematics for the pin uh, the pin uh, usage. So that's quite a useful thing to have. And just lastly, uh, myself and Moss recorded Distro Hopper's Digest episode 19. And so Dale. Link in the show notes. And Dale. <laughs> uh, and I've put a link in the show notes for that Yay! as well. cool. I'll
2: be looking for that. <laughs> okay. Go on, Moss. What have you um, got? Listener Dylan Berger reviewed the Odyssey J145, a single board computer with a Celeron chip on its Moss. I've got a link for that. For those of you like me, still coding in HTML4, the frames feature has been completely deprecated. This is why when you visit sites like Peaceful Hippo, my personal website, you don't see the menus. I need to get to work on a fix for this. Command line installer for VMs in Ubuntu, something I've never used but which was referenced in Full Circle's Telegram group and just sounded sexy enough to include here. There's a link in the show notes for that. It's Foss has an article highlighting the Haruna video player you may find interesting, and It's Foss also has an excellent ar- article on customizing your Plasma settings. Josh, what do you got?
4: Uh, I have an um, Android Mail client that um, I've been using probably for about a month now. Um, I mainly just use it to uh, do my Gmail stuff because I just never liked the Gmail app ever, no matter how many things they add to it. Um, and it's called a fair email. Basically, you just download it, install it, and add your accounts in like you would any other email account. And the only thing with this one is that it works. It's not like K9 mail, which I've tried over the years many times, and it just doesn't work with my Gmail accounts. I don't know if I'm doing something wrong or what, but I do it the same way as I did it in this email client to add the account. And it just none of my emails come through. I don't know why, but this one does work. If anyone wanted to try it out, um, yeah, it's in the Play Store. It's in F Droid. Uh, so yeah, I just wanted to plug that real quick. Sounds cool. All right.
0: Well, that's it. That's all. That's totally it. And I realize now, uh, as we as we come down to the announcements, um, <laughs> the second half of this show is gonna be tiny. <laughs> Our next episode will be 2 p.m. Central U.S. time on February 7th, 2021. And we've got the link. I'll update, on the, update that on the website over the next day or so. And, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll convert it all for you. So just go click that link. Um, oh, uh, and by the way, that, that's going to be at mincast.org slash livestreams. So go check that out. All right, well, that's it for the show. So, Joe, where can we find more you?
5: Well, you can catch me on a couple other podcasts. I'm on the Linux Link Tech Show, which is www.tllts.org. We record every Wednesday evening. You can catch me on Linux Lugcast, which is www.linuxlugcast.com. And that's uh, the first and third Friday of every month. And we're happy to always have uh, other people come on to the show and Hang out with us and talk about what they find interesting in Linux. Um, you can find me on MeWe or you can send me an email directly, jb at mincast.org. Bo, how about you?
3: Uh, just check out my YouTube channel. I'm trying to do a lot more stuff on there um, as COVID kind of slowed me down for two weeks, but I'm trying to hit it hard in the next couple weeks. So uh, that's Undercast Collective on YouTube. How about you, Moss?
2: Well, you can find me on my It's Moss website. I'm on MeWe. I have blogs at PeacefulHippo and LinuxQuestions.org. My music is on Bandcamp and on various YouTube channels. There are three separate links there. Moss at Mintcast.org. Uh, you can find me on Mastodon at atzyvala at hosttux.social. Uh, if you want a quick response emailing me, you should write me at zyvalananda at protonmail.ch, and that's in the show notes. And I have a sponsor, and I'm up to three sponsors. Tony, what about you?
1: Yeah, well, I'm on Hacker Public Radio. Host ID three three eight. Uh, I'm a, I've got my occasional blog uh, at tony-hughes.blogspot.com. I'm on Twitter tonyh one uh, two one two. You can get me at th at mintcast.org and distrohoppersdigest at gmail.com.
0: Tony Watts not here this time, but uh, tw at mintcast.org
4: or just search up Echoes of Savages, Josh. I think you can find me at Josh on Tech at, um, oh crap, what's the, uh, what's the, mintcast.org, Josh? It's our website. Come on, on. (laughs) mintcast.org. I got it. I got it. Leo didn't say that. I did it. Anyway, (laughs) no, it's very true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And um, at uh, protonmail.com as well as, and um, at Josh on Tech on Twitter and Discord and Telegram and all those other social sites.
0: As for me, LeoChavis.org and at Leo Chavez on Twitter. Uh, I've got a mintcastorg one too. Leo at. Um, I also do Linux User Space uh, as well, so go check that out. And you can get your five-minute news digest at Full Circle Weekly News. I also uh, I, I spun up one of those coffee things, so um, you can totally buy me a coffee if you want to do that. If, if, you've, if you've donated to Audacity and you donated to Archive.org and you still have three extra
5: bucks, you can buy me a coffee. So there'll be a link for that.
0: Anyhow, but before...
5: Do we get to pick the coffee? Uh,
0: you know you know what?
5: Like, can we keep sending you double and triple espressos and see what That's, happens? You
0: know what? Yeah. And, and I'll drink it right before the show, and I will speak even faster than I did during the feedback, which was, whoa.
5: <laughs> I, was I like, am okay with I, this. I was
0: really thinking, like, uh, I need to get through this really fast because it's, uh, you know, I want to keep the show short or whatever. And then I realized, oh, the second half of the show is not long at all. <laughs> uh, okay.
2: I don't think we'll get complaints about that.
0: Yeah, probably not. Anyhow, uh, before we leave, we want to make sure to acknowledge some of the people who make MintCast possible. Owen Peary for our audio editing. Josh Lowe for all his work on the website. Hobstar for our logo. And Londoner for our time sink. And news, by the way. So much news from Londoner. Thanks. Byte Hosting for hosting MintCast.org and our Mumble server. Archive.org for hosting our audio files. HPR for our backup Mumble room. And of course... The Linux Mint development team for the fine distro we love to talk about. Thanks, Thanks
4: Clem. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Clem. And Thanks, Clem. And Clem.
5: This has been another episode of the Mintcast podcast. The show notes for this episode are at mintcast.org. You can send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. You can find more information about Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com You can follow both Mintcast and Linux Mint on Twitter at Mintcast and at Linux underscore Mint Thanks to Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com for our theme music and thanks for listening to this episode of the Mintcast Okay, so it's about an hour 45 so minus the
0: couple minutes at the front Maybe a truncated silence. It might slim down to 130. I'm not holding my breath on that one. But yeah, so about, a, about an hour 30. Sorry, Owen.